Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio WFMP 106.5 FM Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 138. Today's topic is the duty of government. This phrase is taken from the title of the famous Green New Deal, the one that was actually proposed in Congress, the title of which is Recognizing the Duty of the Federal Government to Create a Green New Deal. So this was introduced by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and I think 60 co-sponsors. And this is what our very own Mitch McConnell voted down in the Senate. And we'll be talking about that in a few minutes. But first, here's what the climate report is all about. We've known about climate change for a good long time. And it's quite clear that it is in the interest of the people of the United States and the people of the world to move forward on meaningful action designed to lead us through and out of this crisis. Furthermore, climate change is only one of what I consider to be five major threats to our very existence, three of which could wipe us out very rapidly, two of which could easily wipe out the poorest half of the world population, after which who knows what kind of chaos would ensue to wipe out the other half. Clearly, the poorest people are the most vulnerable, and the richest people in the richest countries are the least vulnerable. But the question is, do we care enough to do anything about it? Not do you and I care enough to do anything about it, because I'm preaching to the choir. But does our government and do the ruling elite of our country care enough to do anything about it? And if the answer is no, they have, in my humble opinion, lost all legitimacy, and they have lost their right to govern, and they need to be removed from power, not just official positions of power, but billionaires insofar as they wield almost perfect power over our system. We need to change our system so that billionaires and big corporations no longer run the show because they have lost all legitimacy if they care nothing whatsoever for the poor and the middle class. So climate change is a situation where we've got greenhouse gases. We've known the primary greenhouse gas is carbon dioxide, but another major one is methane. We've known for 150 years that carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas. We've known that when it hits sunlight, the molecule of carbon dioxide converts a little bit of that sunlight into heat energy, and that's where we get the greenhouse effect. Methane is also an issue. Methane tends to be released in careless oil and gas operations, so the current administration has relaxed the rules and the reporting requirements related to methane. Not that a Democratic administration would have been much better. I mean, Obama was a little bit better on this stuff, but not by much. In fact, Obama bragged in his 2012 State of the Union speech that we've produced more oil and gas in my administration than any time in history. Some, some wild boast to that effect. And it's like, why are we bragging about this? We should be apologizing. We should be making plans to change this, but Obama is bragging about it. In the State of the Union speech, not in a speech to oil and gas people, but in the State of the Union speech. And then there's this whole conversation about peak oil. So peak oil is that time when 
supposedly we've peaked out on the amount of oil we can get and then it's going to decline, but fracking has completely changed that game. If it weren't for climate change and the many other toxic effects of using fossil fuels, we could be energy, dependent, energy independent in North America for the next hundred years. When fracking technologies came around, they started to call the United States Saudi America because all of a sudden we had access to this oil and gas that we didn't have access to before. But the thing is, fracking is so incredibly toxic and is such an incredible public health problem that we should not be having a conversation about peak oil. Because if we get anywhere close to peak oil, we will have already destroyed the planet in five different ways. Fracking is a prescription for making everybody sick. It's a prescription for birth defects. It's a prescription for respiratory disease and heart disease. And you can go on and on and on. And yet, and yet what do they want to do? Upriver from Louisville is put in this 400 miles of pipeline to support a petrochemical hub. Petrochemicals, in brief, is where you, get, you use fracking to get oil and gas out of the ground so that you can turn it into plastic. And you end up with these little plastic pellets that get shipped out by truck, by train, by boat, so that we can have more disposable plastic. Like we need even more cheap disposable plastic than we already have. So it's clear that we've got quite a bit of insanity going on in our culture. And the only choice we have to save ourselves from dozens if not hundreds of separate and distinct dangers to our health, the only choice that we have is to take control of our government and to take control of the industry that has bought the right to pollute and bought the right to pay slave wages and bought the right to give us a kind of government that nobody wants because it's so incredibly unresponsive to human needs. So it's not for lack of science that we're having this conversation. It's for lack of a responsive government. And our purpose is to have a conversation so that you and I can learn facts, but also learn our lines so that we might become effective communicators with others, so that we might master the art and skill of activism, which means organizing, educating, and agitating. Organize, educate, agitate. That's how we make change. And that's what the Climate Report is all about. This program is part of WFMP's Public Affairs Educational Programming. The views expressed are those of the speaker and not the station. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. Also, go to theclimatereport.net to find my latest episodes and playlists and videos and blog posts. Plus, if you want to find anything or anyone in the community of Louisville that I might know or know about, 
please email info at theclimatereport.net. So today's topic is the duty of government. And it sounds very philosophical to ponder on what is the duty of government. And I'm sure if you were in a philosophy class or a political science class, you could split hairs and have a nice theoretical discussion of what is the duty of government. And that may or may not be practical. Of course, if it's enjoyable, it doesn't have to be practical. I mean, knock yourself out. You know, life's short. Enjoy yourself. But what the discussion that we're going to have is, is our government even in the ballpark of doing its duty? So I contend on this show that we have been let down by three institutions, government, business, and media. So government has an implied promise to work in the best interest of the majority of people especially in a democracy where we're supposed to be of the majority, by the majority, for the majority, and then with adequate protections for the rights of minorities. But government, such as it is now, has no claim, has no valid or legitimate claim to be protecting us. It is completely out of control. It is completely rogue. In fact, A man, Noam Chomsky, wrote a book called Failed States. So we hear the term failed states when uh, when the people who pontificate about foreign policy, and especially if they want to go to war, they'll say Iraq is a failed state. We have to go in and beat up on them to protect ourselves and everybody else, or Libya is a failed state, or Syria is a failed state, or Somalia is a failed state. And uh, Chomsky wrote this book called Failed States, and it's, and it's like he makes a good case that the United States of America is a failed state. It is a danger to other countries. The federal government, such as it is, is a danger to other countries. The federal government, such as it is, is a danger to the American people. The federal government of the United States, such as it is, is a danger to the entire world. I mean, the rest of the world wants to do something about climate change, but there's not very much they can do when we are standing in the way. In order to deal with climate change, we're going to have to not be going to war every five minutes. But when we're going to war every five minutes, and when the rest of the world has to defend themselves from us... And when we dominate the world economically with trade agreements that do nothing for anybody except the wealthiest corporations and the wealthiest countries, then the world doesn't have time or money or the energy to do what it needs to do to address climate change. So the government of the United States of America is a failed state by many reasonable and rational definitions of the term because they are a danger to the rest of the world and to the people of America. So your friend and mine, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, goes to Washington, D.C. She gets elected without political money, without corporate money, so she's not beholden to corporate money, and she goes to Washington, D.C. representing the people. There are a handful of other 
representatives like her who don't take corporate money. And those include Ro Khanna from California and Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii. But when, when AOC proposes the Green New Deal in Congress, she's not proposing the Green New Deal itself. In other words, we're not going to start right away making laws. We're just going to establish the mere fact that the government has a duty, the federal government has a duty to create a Green New Deal. And who stands in the way of it more than anybody else but Kentucky's own Mitch McConnell, which officially defines our senator as an embarrassment. So let's start reading through this bill. So the title of it is Recognizing the Duty of the Federal Government to Create a Green New Deal. In the House of Representatives, Ms. Ocasio-Cortez submitted the following resolution, which was referred to the Committee on Recognizing the Duty of the Federal Government to Create a Green New Deal. So I'm going to digress for just a minute and say, why is there a need for a committee to recognize the duty of the federal government to create a Green New Deal? So here's one committee whose sole purpose and mission is to determine whether it is the duty of the federal government to create a Green New Deal. One reason is that this is a matter that deserves some attention and deliberation in and of itself. Another thing that it does is that it says you're either in or you're out. Do you acknowledge the bare minimum standard that says it is the duty of the federal government to create a Green New Deal. Without any of the provisions, is it the duty of the federal government to create a Green New Deal? If the answer is yes, then we're going in the right direction. If the answer is no, then we need to say, get a job. Get a job because you are not working for us. You are not working for the people of the United States, you epitomize the term failed state. Your job is to make the federal government a failed state and we want you to get another job. Because the job of the federal government is not to endanger the American people and to endanger the world. The job of the federal government is to protect the American people. And yes, protect the people of the world, which does not mean go bomb them or even threaten to bomb them. The United States is in a unique position as the world's strongest economy, the world's richest nation, certainly on a per capita basis we're the world's richest nation. Militarily we're the strongest, as if that's going to help somebody. But nobody is in the position that we are to protect the American people and the people of the world. Protect the people of the world from real harms and real dangers, not fake dangers. Fake dangers such as communism and socialism and terrorism and narco-traffickers. Fake dangers. Let's focus on real dangers, not fake dangers. So here's what I started to say. Tulsi Gabbard who is also a very progressive, uh, non-corporate, anti-corporate person in the House of Representatives, 
proposed her own bill in 2017 called the Off Fossil Fuels Act, and this bill was referred to the following committees. The Committee on Energy and Commerce, the Committee on Ways and Means, Transportation and Infrastructure, Education and the Workforce, Science, Space and Technology, Financial Services and Foreign Affairs. That's about 10 different committees there. That's too many committees. That's why AOC said, here is a bill that will serve to create one committee to focus on the Green New Deal. Continuing to read, whereas the October 2018 report entitled Special Report on Global Warming of 1.5 Degrees Celsius by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and the November 2018 Fourth National Climate Assessment Report found that, so that's a mouthful, but these are the panels and committees with the United Nations that are the centralized location for making official pronouncements about climate change. By the way, the Republican Party platform says the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is just a political, has a political agenda, as if the Republican Party does not have a political agenda. So the Republican Party takes science and calls it politics. When you take science and call it politics, we know you're in the pockets of the oil companies. But these panels have determined the following. Number one, that human activity is the dominant cause of observed climate change over the past century. And two, a changing climate is causing sea levels to rise and an increase in... Okay, listen to all these things that climate change is causing. An increase in wildfires, severe storms, droughts and other extreme weather events that threaten human life, healthy communities, and critical infrastructure, uh, and global warming at or above 2 degrees Celsius beyond pre-industrialized levels will cause. So, in addition to the storms and the droughts named above, the IPCC has determined that Climate change will cause mass migration from regions most affected by climate change. More than 500 billion in lost annual economic output in the United States by the year 2100. That's lost annual economic output, and I think that's a very conservative figure, extremely conservative figure. Climate change will also cause wildfires that by 2050 will annually burn at least twice as much forest area in the western United States than was typically burned by wildfires in the years preceding 2019. So twice as many wildfires annually. Climate change, according to the IPCC, will also cause a loss of more than 99% of all coral reefs on Earth. More than 350 more million more than 350 million more people to be exposed globally to deadly heat stress by 2050, and a risk of damage to $1 trillion of public infrastructure and coastal real estate in the United States. So the list goes on and on and on, and these are conservative estimates. I mean, this is another example of scientists being reticent. Reticent means a little bit timid, a little bit unwilling to really tell it like it is. Because if you're a scientist and you overstate the case, then your colleagues can attack you in the peer review process. 
and you don't want to go there. So what I was reading before is the problems that promise to visit us if we don't address this problem. Now we're getting to the solutions. Global temperatures must be kept below 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrialized levels to avoid the most severe impacts of a changing climate. So 1.5 degrees was the amount declared by the Paris Climate Accords because 2 degrees Celsius is too much. Anything at or above 2 degrees Celsius is catastrophe. Plus, none of these estimates or projections, nothing I've seen so far in this bill, says anything about feedback loops. Here are examples of feedback loops. So, global warming has caused melting of the Arctic ice caps. So, in the summertime, or at least by September, every summer, there is quite a bit of melting in, at the North Pole in the Arctic regions. When it melts, it causes a blue spot because melted ocean water is blue, whereas ice is white. So the blue ocean water absorbs more heat, whereas the white polar ice cap reflects heat from the sun, reflects light from the sun, and therefore does not absorb as much heat. The blue ocean water absorbs more heat and thus causing more warming. So it's a feedback loop. Another type of feedback loop involves the release of methane. So methane is a greenhouse gas. There's a great deal of methane that is stored in the tundra in the north, but the tundra stays frozen except with global warming, the tundra uh, tends to thaw out and it's going to melt and release a bunch of methane. Methane in turn causes more warming, which causes more melting of the polar ice cap and continues that cycle and causes more melting of the tundra which releases more methane and so on in a cycle like that. There are a number of such feedback loops that are not really accounted for in these predictions because they're wild cards. There's no way of knowing how exactly they're going to act. There needs to be a great deal more science dedicated to this, so at least we know what's coming. But the Donald Trumps of the world and the Barack Obamas of the world and the Hillary Clintons of the world can't get enough war. That's what we're spending our money on. War, war, war. A trillion dollars a year that could, be, that could go to so much better purposes. And not just being able to predict climate change, but being able to build resilient communities so that we can deal with the effects of climate change. But when the people at the top of government in our failed state are in complete denial about climate change, the last thing they're going to do is to dedicate science, is to dedicate funding to the science. So one thing the congressional version of the Green New Deal calls for is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from human sources of 40 to 60 percent from 2010 levels by 2030. In other words, 2030 should be 40 to 60 percent below the greenhouse gas emissions that existed in 2010. And it calls for having net zero emissions by 2050. 
So I'm going to digress here just a minute and say there is so much that we could be doing, but it requires mass mobilization. Mass mobilization means the level of mobilization that existed when we got into World War II. I wish there were other examples of mass mobilization other than war, but it's hard to find mass mobilization greater than what we have done in the past in relation to World War II. There were other great moments in our history, like Martin Luther King's civil rights accomplishments, or the Great Society Program, or the New Deal. But the Green New Deal requires a mass mobilization such as we have never seen before. The good news is that, for one thing, the Internet is 25 years old, and we haven't really, in my opinion, learned how to use the Internet. We could learn to use the Internet so much better than we ever have before. But it's going to require good, old-fashioned, grassroots activism. If you want to know what are some of the possibilities for getting involved and engaged in the city of Louisville, please feel free to email me at info at theclimatereport.net and I will see what I can do to point you in the right direction. Pretty soon I'm going to have a handy-dandy list on my website, but that's not there yet. But I could send you the rough draft of my handy-dandy list of organizations that are up to something good in the Louisville area. Off the top of my head, I would invite you to join or to just at least attend meetings of DSA, Democratic Socialists of America, or the Sierra Club, or get in contact with ELCAN, Louisville Climate Action Network, or get in touch with WFMP here, Justin Mogg, is very knowledgeable about sustainability activities going on in the Louisville area. And that's just a start. I could literally send you a list of over 100 organizations, not to overwhelm you, but just so that you'll know that there are a lot of people in this community doing good work. And it would be great if you could join some of them. A couple other organizations I want to mention real quickly. The Fairness Campaign is excellent. Also, L-Surge, Louisville Showing Up for Racial Justice. Continuing to read, and we're going to talk a little bit about technology when I read this. Whereas the, because the United States has historically been responsible for a disproportionate amount of greenhouse gas emissions, having emitted 20% of global greenhouse gas emissions from uh, through 2014, and has a high technological capacity, the United States must take a leading role in reducing emissions through economic transformation. So this issue of technological capacity is excellent. I've got about a minute and a half left. I would like to leave you with a thought, and that thought is going to be related to technological capacity. So we have government of the powerful by the powerful. We should have government of the people by the people, but for now, it's of the powerful by the powerful. And prior to now, the powerful have been in charge of our defense department and its spending, and they have, the powerful have benefited from all the technological spinoffs from our defense department. For example, look at your iPhone. Every major component of your iPhone is a result 
of defense spending. You've got the microchip, you've got the internet, you've got the telecommunications infrastructure that you send the signal to and from. All of that technology is a result of defense spending. But the American public had to be tricked into spending money on defense, the true purpose of which is not to keep people safe. The true purpose of defense spending is to make rich people richer, partly by creating technologies that you can then hand over to Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and a lot of many, many less famous people. So here's the icing on the cake. We can just as easily redirect those funds to solar technology and to wind technology and to mass transit and we can be the world leaders in those technologies that matter, technologies that affirm life, not technologies that destroy life, such as bombs and fighter planes. That's all for today. Thank you for joining me. Hope you'll come back soon.